Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Now, we have um, been going through the book of Galatians, and I think I worked out the last time I spoke from the book of Galatians was uh, May the 7th. So it's been quite a while since we've been there, but we didn't finish it back then. So we're now going to come back and uh, get to the last chapter or so and spend a couple of weeks uh, finishing through that. But before we get there to try and set the scene, um, Christian, if you can just throw that image up there. Now, many of us can probably remember this story from a few years ago. Uh, Some of Australia's cricketing greats were caught out in a cheating scandal with ball tampering. Uh, How did we react to this news, if you follow the cricket back in South Africa there a few years back? How did we react to this news at the time? Well, many of us were disappointed. Some were sad. Some were angry and really bitter. But very quickly, a culture of shame uh, developed around these men, to shame these men for what they'd done. The whole idea was to shame them, to teach them a lesson about this cheating that they had done Back then, So in England for their first test match back, because these guys had a 12-month ban, Steve Smith, David Warner and um, Cameron Bancroft were the three involved. In their first test match back in England for the Ashes series, which they're over there now doing that again, their first test match back, everybody pulled out a, white, a yellow piece of sandpaper as they walked on the ground just to sort of rub their noses in it again and keep this shame sort of going on for these cricketers. Well, the Gospel speaks a very different story about that. The Gospel is not a story about shame uh, when it comes to people being caught out in sin. Uh, sure, we must be accountable for the sins that we've committed, but the Gospel is all about bringing restoration to those who've fallen without looking to shame them, to come alongside them and to bear their burdens with them and to point them to Christ. So it's not about shame, it's about the restoration that Christ gives us. So if you've got your Bibles, please. Go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 25 and 6, and then into chapter 6, verses 1 through to 5 as well. Starting in Galatians chapter 5, 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour. For each will have to bear his own load." Father, we thank you that we can uh, come together this morning. We thank you again for this beautiful gift that you've given to us of grace, of community, church family. Uh, Lord, as we gather this morning, I pray, let your spirit now open up this word into our hearts about bearing each other's burdens, coming along side by side with each other as a true community does to use the strength and grace and power that you give to us to help us, Lord, journey through this life strong and maturing in you. Father, please do that for us now, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Well, we've had a big, long gap, as I said before, between Galatians 5 and Galatians 6, uh, over two months ago. So let's retrace our steps just a little about what the book of Galatians is all about. Galatians is what we call a salvation letter. Uh, It's a letter that Paul's written to the churches in Galatia, uh, clearly explaining the gospel to them through justification by faith alone. If you go back to some of our previous talks, you see we spent a few weeks there thinking about what does this big word justification mean. Uh, They were confused at the time because false teachers were coming into this church and saying, no, you've got to be saved by doing some good works plus trusting and believing in Jesus. That was faith plus works and then salvation would come. Uh, Paul's going to say, no way. No way. It's not salvation by good works and good deeds. It's salvation by trusting in Christ alone. That's what salvation is. It's in the finished work of what Jesus has done. So Paul spent a whole... A bunch of chapters early on here in Galatians exposing the lies of these false teachers and setting the record straight, pointing them back to the true gospel, and that is the finished work of Christ. Paul does that for a few chapters, probably about the first four chapters, though. He's going through a detailed explanation. This is what the gospel is. It's about Jesus and what his finished work is. And then when Paul gets to the last two chapters, chapters 5 and 6, It's now about this practical application. Now, if this is what Christ has done for us and this is the change that's taken place in my heart and my life, how does this look? How do I now live knowing this is what's been done for me? And now what do I do with this changed heart? And that's what the Spirit has done. The Holy Spirit, in a miraculous supernatural work, changes us from the inside, changes our heart, changes the way we think. Now with a freedom to love and serve Jesus as our gracious Lord and King and no longer to walk in the sinful desires of our flesh, these desires that rise up that want to cause us or lead us down an evil pathway. There's a change that's been taken place. It's a heart renewed by the gospel that now gladly lives this spirit-filled life as God's spirit dwells within us. Verse 5.25 says this, If we live by the spirit, this is where Paul makes this change, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let's walk a spirit-filled life. So Paul's going to lead us into this gospel-transformed, spirit-filled life that works in one of the most important areas of our lives, relationships. Everybody has a relationship. Family, friends, whatever. Everybody's got relationships where we are connecting with other people. So Paul's going to take us into now, how does the gospel work out in relationships, particularly when there's burdens and challenges in our life through the everyday aspects of of where we live life. So here's where we're going to head today as we think about this. The spirit-filled life walks in humility, uh, helping others through love to walk in the gospel by bearing each other's burdens. By bearing each other's burdens. Right, let's jump into it. Uh, A heart transformed by the gospel, filled with Christ's love, seeks seeks, wants to love others and help bear their burdens. This is Jesus' command to us. Have a look in verse 2. Paul comes out and says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In a healthy, functioning family, this is what you'd see, isn't it? A family does that. If someone's in trouble within your family, the family rallies around them to help out, to actually help bear their burden through the challenge they're going through in a healthy, functioning family. Not everybody experiences a healthy, functioning family, 
But in that context, when it is healthy and functioning, you actually come around each other. If someone has need of a medical appointment in Melbourne, which they can be like a burden to some extent, and they're too ill to travel down, well, the family rallies around and, actually, I'll take you down that day, and they'll actually help carry that burden with them for that particular day. Someone within the family steps up to drive them down. Why do they do that for them? Well, they're family. We care for each other. We look out for each other. We love each other. We actually gladly bear that burden. Love and concern reaches out to help um, bear others' burdens. So Paul takes that principle here of Christ's love and compels us now, with, through a heart that's been transformed by the gospel, compels us to bear each other's burdens within the family of God, not just our earthly or natural family, but the greater family, the family of God. And for that context, it's our church family. This is what is gathering here today. It's not just a loosely connected bunch of people. It's the family of God, united together in Christ and by his love. So this family now seeks to bear each other's burdens as we go through life. Paul's already said this back in uh, chapter 5.13. But through love, he says, serve one another. He's talking to the Galatian church, the family of God. We're empowered by the Spirit to serve through love by now sharing each other's burdens. This is the law of Christ. Paul says by fulfilling the law of Christ, as he said early on, this is the fruit of love, Christ's love, that the Spirit works in and through us now because we've been changed and transformed with the truth of who Christ is and now a new heart to bear each other's burdens. Now what Paul's saying here to us, it's not an option. It's a command. Bear each other's burdens. Paul doesn't say, when you feel like it, bear others' burdens. Paul says, bear each other's burdens. Now, sure, there may be times when you can't have the capacity to help others with their burdens. Sure, I get that. But at any other time, it's no. We're family. We're Christ's family. We're not, we bear each other's burdens. Okay, there's the sense of where Paul's going here. It's bearing each other's burdens because of the transformed heart and life we are. But in bearing these burdens, I think we can see there's probably two types of burdens that we have in our lives. There's general burdens that we experience through life, and then there's also sinful burdens that Paul addresses here as well. But let's think about general burdens initially as we're doing this together as family. Stuff happens in life, doesn't it? Things don't always go according to plan. Things come along that just disrupt our plans and they actually become a burden to us. They become a challenge. They become something hard to carry at times. A general burden can be it's something that's causing me some degree of challenge or difficulty. and It's feeling like it's a burden I've got to carry at this particular time. I was thinking of one that I was aware of a few weeks ago. Um, Sean uh, had a car that was giving him a bit of grief there for a while. He, uh, it was overheating and all sorts of stuff were happening there. Uh, the car was out of action and needed to be repaired. That was becoming a burden for Sean and his family at that particular time. They had to get Job to school and then Paula was off at the early hours of the morning when she was working in Cobram and the second car wasn't able to go and it's probably a bit too far to walk, wouldn't it, Sean, to go all the way from one end of Shepherd to the other? He had a burden. Well, what happened there? Sean rang up Manette. Manette was going right past his front door, taking Christian to school, the same school where Job goes. And what did Manette do? 
She said, sure, I'll pick up Job on the way through. So Job, uh, Manette actually helped share that burden that Sean had at that particular time. It was just a general burden, but nonetheless, it was a way there of sharing each other's burdens. So a beautiful example there of how they can work. Burdens come in all shapes and sizes as we think about these general ones. Other burdens can be larger burdens. If we've got to drive somebody to Melbourne for a medical appointment, as I said before, that's not just a simple, not that it's a simple thing, well, I mean, for picking up Job in the way past, but if it's going to Melbourne, well, that takes a whole day out of your schedule. That becomes a larger burden. Sometimes it'll require more effort. A whole day may need to be set aside for that. A sacrifice of somebody's time. Some burdens are larger there, but at the same time, we bear each other's burdens regardless of the size. The principle here is this. Christ's love working through us causes us to feel empathy and compassion for others and then we seek, how can I help in that burden? Just as Manette, here's what's going on and Sean, she said, actually, I'll help you out, Sean. Or someone's got to go, actually, I can feel what you're going through, I'm going to help you out. It's that empathy and compassion that works there to help us to carry out and share each other's burdens. Now, It doesn't always work out easily like that, does it? Sometimes with with burdens coming our way. Because don't forget, what we're wrestling with is an indwelling sinful nature or still this brokenness within inside of us that maybe doesn't want to bear someone else's burdens. Sometimes we might see another person's burden coming our way and we do everything to avoid it. We know there's problems coming and actually I don't want to put myself out. So we'll actually, sometimes we'll avoid that. We just don't want to expend that time or that energy or make a sacrifice of what I've got planned for the day and we'll just, uh, I'm going to avoid that altogether. I've got plans, you know. I haven't got time to go help out this way. Or you could say this. Actually, I've been bearing burdens long enough. It's time for me to just sit back and have a rest. I don't need to keep doing this. I've done my fair share of burden bearing. I don't do those things, those sort of things anymore. Someone else can bear those burdens, not me, because I've done my fair share. We can respond like that sometimes when we see a burden coming our way or see somebody being challenged in life. Well, Paul addresses that here in verse 3. Have a look with me. He says this, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul's pretty strong there when he says that. If anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. What Paul is saying is this. If anyone thinks he's something, that is he thinks, I don't do burden bearing anymore. I've actually grown past that stage. I'm above that now. Someone else does the burden bearing, not me anymore. Well, Paul says if you're thinking like that, if you think you're something and you're above burden bearing... Face the facts of who you really are. And he tells you who you really are in the next couple of words. You're nothing. That doesn't really boost up your self-esteem, does it? You're nothing. Because if the truth is known, all anybody really deserves from God is his judgment and not his grace. Thankfully, God's not like that, though. He sent Jesus, his son, in our place to bear that judgment so now that we do receive his grace as we put our trust in him. Paul says if you think like that, that you're above burden bearing, you're only deceiving yourself. 
You're believing a lie. The spirit-filled life never outgrows the burden-bearing of others. That is the call, that is the family we've been placed in there, and that is the, the empowerment of God's spirit given to us to help us demonstrate the love of Christ through burden-bearing. This is what a community of Jesus' disciples, filled with his sacrificial love, is doing. It's looking out to see how can we bear each other's burdens. How can I show the love of Christ to someone else when they are struggling with whatever that burden happens to be that they're facing at the time? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're empowered to do. That will cost us time, energy, and sometimes it'll cost us money as well in some cases. A gospel community seeks to help others through the burdens of life. Our hearts have been transformed. Our hearts have been changed. Now, here's a really wonderful thing that families can do, particularly parents, can demonstrate to their growing family. It's a really powerful picture of demonstrating Christ's love. When the parents say, hey, we know another family or another person that is really suffering at this time, we want to come alongside them and help them through this period of challenge. That demonstrates to their kids growing up, actually, mum and dad are serious about Christ. Mum and dad are serious about the community. Mum and dad are actually showing the love of Christ as they seek to help others in this situation. They're actually cutting some time out of their week to go and do that. It's a really powerful lesson that you can teach to your family that this is what God's family does. We bear each other's burdens. We're happy to disrupt our agenda and move out and actually go and help others. It's a glorious thing we get to demonstrate. And this burden-bearing also builds a strong and loving community who are there for each other. We're not this sort of fragmented bunch of individuals and separate entities just sort of, you know, connect a bit on Sunday then just drift apart again for the rest of the week. No, it's a strong, tight-knit community bearing each other's burdens and that demonstrates that to the community around about us. It demonstrates to the world that we're a life, uh, that we have lives that are focused on others and not self-focused on ourselves only. General burdens. His sinful burdens there, because Paul's going to deal with this particularly in this passage here as well. When someone's fallen into sin, as loving brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to come alongside of them and work with them through that challenge. Have a look in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone has caught any transgression, the word transgression there means sin, to break God's law or carry out a... Um, evil action. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. What Paul is saying here is this. If we see somebody getting caught up in sinful living, we actually should come alongside them and see how they're doing. How might that look? Well, you might notice that they've dropped off coming uh, to the Sunday gatherings. You just notice that they just haven't been coming along to church on Sunday mornings where the family gathers as a corporate body on a Sunday. You just say, oh, I haven't seen them for a few weeks now. Actually, a few weeks extends into maybe a couple of months. They've just dropped off the pace there. And in this day and age, you can also often get onto their social media feed and you might see some stuff there you think, Ah, that looks a bit questionable, the sort of activity they've been involved in. You might see a picture there where they've um, got to do a bit of activity you wouldn't like to be involved in. And you may have connected with them somewhere down the track and think, oh, gee, their tongue's a bit loose now. They're just letting a bit of foul language come out and they're just showing a distinct coldness towards the Lord. 
you just begin to see that, you notice that. And you know at one point, hmm, they were sort of connected into the body. What Paul would say here then is that the loving thing to do is to intervene upon this sinful burden that's upon those people at that particular time. To actually begin to have a conversation with them about where life's going for them. To actually question them about some of their activity. Now some of you might think at this point, it's none of my business. That's their personal life. I'm not going to get involved in their personal life. That's all about them. Doesn't Jesus say, judge not lest you be judged? I'm not called to judge them. I'm not going to get involved with what they're doing. Is that what Paul's saying here? Paul says, brothers, if anyone has caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Paul's saying, you need to get involved. You need to get involved. The Holy Spirit will use us as his instruments to actually help connect with these ones who are falling off the pace, walking off the path and beginning to stray into sinful living. That's our job, that's our role, that's what we've been equipped for by God's Spirit. And think about it, when you actually notice that's happening in somebody's life, don't you feel compelled by love when you see that brother or sister in Christ straying? Don't you feel compelled by love to want to get involved to some extent where you actually see the choices they're making and the path they're taking? There's something within you that just does want to reach out. You wish you could actually connect with that person and have that conversation. Because you can see they're making some really bad choices. And they're starting to reap some consequences from those really bad choices. There's something within you that says, I would just love to get alongside them and have a conversation with them just to see what's happening. We're called to do that. We're called to actually come alongside and have those conversations because we we feel for them. When we see what's happening there and we see the, the battle they're in, we feel sad and we feel sorry for these choices they've made. It's something within us that, that because we're family, we want to come alongside and have that conversation. A renewed heart in the gospel, led by the Spirit, calls us to reach out and have that difficult conversation. And it will be a difficult conversation because you actually are going to call them account to some extent for their life, for how they've been living. But Paul actually gives us here some instructions on how to do that how to actually come alongside and bear that burden with them as they make these wrong choices. Have a look at what Paul says there. He says, you who are spiritual, in verse 1 again, he says, you who are spiritual. Now you might stop and think, okay, well that lets me off the hook because the only spiritual people here in this church are the elders. They're the spiritual ones. Bum, bum. No, not true. You who are spiritual is everybody who's been born again and filled with God's Spirit and have the truth of the Gospel resonating within their heart and their mind. They are the spiritual people. That's everybody. It's not just left to the few. Everybody becomes, as it were, the the priesthood of all believers or the ministry of all believers actually wanting to look for help others. You who are spiritual, you who are saved, you who have been rescued by Jesus, you who are spiritual... This is your role to come alongside these ones and to help them as they walk this difficult path. What does Paul say next? A spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual, 
should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Paul's already said there above in uh, verse 26, don't bring an attitude of conceit, provoking or vindictive envy to this context. Don't be like that, he says. That's not the spirit-filled life if you want to bring this idea of you know, vengeance or provoking or this sort of prideful thing. We're not here to rub people's noses in the bad choices they've made. That's not what gentleness is about. What is required here in these difficult conversations to come alongside those people as they walk through this challenge is a fruit of the Holy Spirit here in gentleness. Gentleness. A compassionate humble heart filled with love and empathy for our struggling brother or sister. Someone who's tender and sympathetic, who feels the burden that our friend is caught up in. You might see that social media feed and you just think about the place where they're at and the people they're involved with and you begin to feel the temptation and the battle of desires going on within them and you feel that uh, that sort of challenge they're going through gentleness sympathy wanting to come alongside them it's a spirit of gentleness to come alongside these people let me add to this as well and Paul would wholeheartedly agree with me prayerful in coming alongside these ones we have to be much in prayer before the Holy Spirit if we're going to approach somebody and actually have this conversation and try and walk with them as they actually stray off the path of the gospel. The whole situation needs to be soaked in prayer, calling for God's strength and power and wisdom as we come alongside them to have this difficult conversation, to pray that God's Spirit would give us the sensitivity, compassion and love towards them as they make these really wrong choices praying for wisdom for the right time and the right context to approach this person you can't just come any time for this you need for this type of conversation you need to pick the right time you need to find the right location where you're not going to be uh, distracted because don't underestimate how difficult that conversation will be when you know you've got to bring up something that's quite personal with somebody else It'll be difficult. It'll be, it'll be real hard. Everything within you will want to avoid that conversation. There'll be a part you just don't want to bring it up. You just don't want to say what needs to be said, hoping somehow they're like, oh, maybe it might just go away if I don't talk about it. God calls us to come here, to so to be involved in other people's lives, to lovingly actually be involved in the personal choices that made when we see them making wrong choices. And you've got to choose a quiet setting to have that type of a conversation in. Because you don't want distractions. When there's difficult things to be said, there's nothing worse than you're sort of building up the courage to get to the point where you need to actually now say that thing and then a distraction comes along. So you've got to choose the right setting with wisdom there. How am I going to do this in such a way that can create the right place where we can have this difficult conversation about what's happening in that person's life? Don't do it after church on a Sunday. It's not going to work there, okay? Because all these people, someone could come up, organise something somewhere through the week where you know there'll be no distractions and you can have this conversation with a spirit of gentleness and uh, prayerfully able to do that. Praying that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say to open up that conversation as well. Think long and hard about what you're going to say to that person, how you're going to set that up. How are you going to transition to that point of now 
I need to talk about this. Rehearse the conversation in your head. You might think that's silly. No, it's not silly. It's really important. Think about the words you're going to say. Rehearse the words you're going to say. You might, oh, that's not going to come across too well. I'll, I'll think of something else to say. It's important to prepare ourselves to, in a spirit of gentleness to help these people to be restored back from their sinful living. How might it look? You might have five minutes or so of the general conversation when you've chosen a good time to meet with this person. You might have five minutes where you're just talking generally about stuff. And then you know you need to make this decisive shift to talk about what needs to be talked about, what you've seen, what you've noticed. You need an opening line. You need somewhere to make this transition across to ask a hard question. Hey Todd, I've just noticed you've missed a lot of church gatherings of late. It's been probably six or seven weeks or maybe longer, maybe eight or nine weeks since I've seen you at church. And the other day I was just looking on your Instagram social media feed and I, you know, I saw this picture of you at the local club holding a vodka cruiser in your hand and I don't know, I'm just I'm wondering how you're tracking with Jesus at the moment. Now that'll feel really awkward when you come out and say that initially, but that's what needs to be said. Because... Because we're meant to come alongside and bear each other's burdens. Love compels us. Christ's love compels us to come alongside somebody and say, this is what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm caring for you. I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. And they might respond, I don't want to talk about it. That's cool. That's all right. But I'm just letting you know, I love you and I care for you and if everyone want to chat about it, I'm happy to catch up. And that's about as far as you can go, if they respond that way. I don't want to talk about it. You can't push it any further than that because you can just sense straight away, oh, it's not going to go anywhere. Okay? Just leave it. Or they may give you this throwaway line, ah, oh, look, it's been tough for a few weeks, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm really doing okay. Well... You know they're not doing okay because you've actually seen what's been happening over the last few weeks. And if you know that person well and you've got a reasonably good handle on them, you can't leave the conversation just at that line. You just need to push through a little bit more because that's what love does. I've heard you say you're okay, but it really doesn't appear that way to me, I think. I think you're struggling. How about we talk about it? Sometimes you just got to push through a little bit more. That's where you need the spirit's discernment and sensitivity. Do I just, okay, the shuttles have gone up, I can't go any further? Or do I just push a little bit more? That's why we pray. And the whole flow of the conversation here in doing this restoring, as Paul calls us to, um, is a restorative process, not a shaming process. It's a restoring process. In love, Christ's love, we the whole time are trying to work and see our friend find healing and wholeness in the gospel. That's what we're trying. That's the whole direction of that hard conversation as we come alongside them. We're trying to point them back to Christ to find their redemption in him again and to find that gospel freedom from the chains of sin that they're actually making those wrong and bad choices in. And as I said before, this flies in the face of how the world thinks. Totally opposite the way the world thinks. When people are caught out wrong behaviour in the world, often the world's way is to shame people. It's a blame and shame thing, just as it was for those cricketers years ago. And if you 
care to notice it, often the media will find the, the darkest photo they can of somebody and then they'll put this shameful headline across the article. He was grooming the whole team. They'll just try and shame somebody uh, into just oblivion, basically. Now, don't get me wrong here, when I talk about those things, I'm all for people being held to account for the things they've done wrong, and even that's the right way in a part of a restorative process. People must be held to account. If somebody's committed a crime, whatever level that might be, people do need to be charged, people do need to go to court, and people do need to do time in jail if that's the punishment. We don't avoid those things. That is the right process. If people have made those choices, they need to actually then face the consequences. That's right. That's justice. But in the light of that, the gospel is still about restoration. The gospel is still about restoring people and not shaming people. We're here to reach out in love and help these people find their way back to Jesus if they're a follower of Christ. And we do all this in the light of what Paul says in Corinthians 15, I am what I am by the grace of God. So we don't do this from a you know, high and mighty position. I know that I'm purely a work of grace. I could have easily made those wrong decisions or wrong choices others have made and reap those consequences. I know that I depend upon grace moment by moment in my life. So I'm not doing this from some I've made it position. I'm doing it from on the level with you. I want to come alongside you and be side by side as we walk through that challenge. This is what gospel living is about within a community. This is what Paul is calling the Galatians to. Churches can be and will be messy places. Sometimes people look in, I've said this plenty of times before, and they think, oh, all you people have got life together and you're all great and good and everything's perfect. Churches are messy places. It's people coming in and being real and authentic about their lives and then willing to actually share that mess with others and come alongside each other. This is what the gospel does. It transforms us to walk through that. Paul says earlier in Galatians, we're not here to bite and to devour and to chew each other up, tearing each other apart, filled with contempt towards each other, which is what maybe some in the Galatian church were doing. No, we're not here as that. We're here as humble, broken people, saved by grace, coming alongside others to build a community that bears each other's burdens and helps them walk the difficult journey that we face. And this is what Paul's telling us about. This is the spirit that's been given to us, his power and presence to look out for each other. This is what family does. This is what Christ's family does. We don't write each other off. We come alongside Maybe now you can think of somebody who's wandered off the gospel path and they're getting involved in sin and you can see a burden appearing in their life. Maybe now there's just a a name coming to your mind, a person, a picture. What's the first step? Start praying for them earnestly. Pray. Pray that God will give you a heart of empathy and compassion and love for that one that you know is making bad choices in life. Second, Try and connect with them. Try and make a time where you can meet and you can actually come alongside them and just ask how life's going. Come in and show that love to them by just being genuinely interested in their lives and then looking to get to that point where you might need to ask that difficult question. Have that hard conversation. Pray for God's love to work through you to actually have that and think that through. 
Now, if you're approached by a friend in a difficult conversation about some stuff happening in your life, if you're the one who's actually, you know that you're making bad choices and someone comes and approaches you, don't push them away. Don't reject them. Don't hold them back. Don't do that. Why? Because this is Jesus' way of actually trying to reach into your life to restore you. This is Jesus using the body to come alongside each other, to get involved in the messiness of your life, to love you and help you get back on track again. Don't push them away if someone's coming to you. Actually understand they're coming out of love and they're coming out of concern to come alongside you, to come and help you and strengthen you, to help you bear this burden through that. So don't reject that. Understand this is God working through the body to actually come together and do that. This is the way God does that. Again, this is the community that Jesus is building. It's a loving community. It cares for each other, especially when it's messy and hard. And we've all got that in our lives to some degree. But this is the beautiful community that God's calling us into and places us into and actually builds amongst us. And that the truth be known, this is the community that people are really looking for as well, outside of the church. A community that seeks to redeem and to restore, not to shame and reject. This is a real authentic community, being real about life, open about life, but at the same time, loving each other and caring for each other through uh, the challenges of life. This is a community that actually becomes very attractive with the gospel being front and centre, working through us in the reality of our broken lives. Super important. This is exactly what Paul's calling the Galatians to. This is what real love does. It actually has these hard conversations and reaches out into our lives to share these burdens with each other, to help see us back on that pathway and track again of honouring and glorifying Christ in our lives. What's the Holy Spirit do? He uses us as agents of grace. He uses us to be able to come into people's lives and help restore them today. It's a beautiful gift of God's community. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, think about what you're talking to us today through the... uh, the end of the book of Galatians, we thank you again, Lord, for the precious gift you've given to us in community and uniting us together in Christ. Uniting us together through the love of Christ and demonstrated at the cross for us. We're now, Lord, we share each other's burdens. We Love is so flowing through us that we are feeling for other people and the challenges they're going through, the choices they've made, the consequences they face. That, Father, out of love, we want to come alongside them now and help them to walk through this season of challenge. Help us, I pray, Holy Spirit. Some of us want to avoid those burdens. Some of us don't want to be involved in other people's lives. Help us again to refocus our hearts and minds upon Christ. He didn't avoid the uh, the cross. He didn't avoid carrying our burden of sin. He willingly and lovingly did that on our behalf. Help us again to be awakened to that. This is what you've called us to do as family, to bear those burdens with each other. Lord, for those who are caught up in sinful choices 
and they get approached by someone in love to come alongside them, I pray, Lord, please help them not to reject that help, not to push that help away, but help them to see that, Lord, that this is you and your love working through other vessels and other instruments to come alongside them to walk through this season with them and to know that through that, Lord, that you will minister your grace and strength to them through other people. Father, help us to build that community today, I pray, that does put our arms around each other, side by side, sharing and bearing these burdens together. Seeing Christ grow through us and in us as we bear those burdens. Father, today we do ask and we do pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.